1: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm
0: in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass.
1: What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Monday, October the 7th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, and if you can sense some excitement in my voice, it's because it's there. I have a mock-off season for you guys. I have fixed this team. I am Travis Wingfield. As always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football, and on today's show, without the game to recap, we're going to evaluate the entire roster. Who stays? Who goes? Who do we need more time on? and once we purge this mf We'll put Humpty Dumpty back together. That's right. I'm spending 11 draft picks and $150 million of Mr. Ross's money on today's show. And we'll wrap it up with a recap of the weekend in college football, as well as Miami's precious draft pick hatchlings around the league, the Texans, the Saints, the Steelers, all of that and more. But first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Top 200 on iTunes. Top 100 on Spotify. Spotify. Let's keep that going. Also, give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. You can follow the show at Locked On Fins. We will follow you back. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. The accompanying article with this podcast is up on the website right now. That's another Maya- So off the top right here, I want to talk about some placeholders I do have on my 53-man roster for next season because, well, frankly, I thought it would be disingenuous to go through rounds four through seven in a mock draft in a draft where I have not gotten that far into my studies, frankly, going through the first 100 picks, which I did here is a little bit presumptuous, but that's what we're doing here because this football team is not much fun to watch on Sundays. So we have to look forward to the future, to the hope. And so while I remake the roster on this episode, I'm going to keep some guys from this year's roster on the back end to basically hold the place of the fourth through seventh round, as well as the UDFAs that will likely come in and take their spots once the season starts next year. But with that, let's go ahead and jump in and gut this roster and get it prepared for this rebuild. But first, I want to talk about the best, worst, and disappointing players so far of 2020, and the best three players on the Dolphins team right now, in my opinion, have been linebacker Raquan McMillan. I think he's the highest graded linebacker on Pro Football Focus. He has a very distinct responsibility on this team. He does that job fantastically. Devon Godshaw has been tough to block on the interior of the Dolphins' defensive line all year long. He's been very good. And Bobby McCain at free safety, mostly because of the Dallas game. Now, granted, he did not have a good opener against Baltimore, getting put in that single high situation and getting exposed over and over again. But I thought he bounced back well the next two games, especially against Dallas. The Dolphins do need him going forward. He's still a good player. The three worst for me have been Charles Harris because there just is no pressure from him. He's still getting tossed around. No edge setting in the running game. Up next at running back, Kalen Balaj. Too many drops, too many negative runs, just not much explosiveness in his game. And at cornerback Eric Rowe, I think we all know how that one goes. The three players that have been most disappointing to me are three guys that I think are part of the future. Jerome Baker is off to a really tough start. We know about that. Xavier Howard's had two bad games in a row. That's not very common for him. And Jakeem Grant hasn't done a whole lot of anything. So those are my nine. Those are the three most disappointing players. I really hope those guys get things turned around because they need to be part of the core. Going forward, Let's go ahead and talk about this Dolphins current roster and what I'm going to do at quarterback. I'm undecided on the future of Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I talked about it on the podcast last week that I think that Fitzpatrick is a better mentor than Rosen. And if you can get a draft pick for Rosen, it would make sense to retain Fitzpatrick behind Tua or whoever the rookie quarterback is. But for now, I want to see more. At running back, I kept Mark Walton, Chandler Cox, and Patrick Laird. I think Kenyon Drake walks in free agency, and you heard me talk about Kalen Blage. I just don't think he's good enough to be on the roster right now. At tight end, I kept Mike Kosicki and Durham Smythe. That means no more Nick O'Leary. On the offensive line, I kept Jesse Davis, Michael Dieter, Evan Boehm, and Isaiah Prince, all four guys that were Part of this regime's rebuild or this regime's teardown of the offensive line. Now Jesse Davis was a holdover, but he got the contract extension and he has kind of mimicked the image and the message this team and this front office and this regime wants to get out there. I think Dieter is eventually one of your guards in the long term. I think Evan Bame, at worst is a rotational backup swing type of guard and Isaiah Prince could be your mauling right tackle slash swing tackle going forward as well. On the defensive line, Christian Wilkins, he's not going anywhere. Devon Godshaw, I expect to get a new contract extension in the near future. I think those are the pillars of your defensive interior. And then on the outside, I kept Taco Charlton, and I kept Robert Camdiche, even though I'm not sure what happens there. But if he can get himself conditioned and get himself back on the right path, he has the type of makeup and build that this team will like going forward. So I think that he has a chance if he can get himself right. To be part of the future. At linebacker. I kept Baker still. He's not going anywhere. Even though he's playing bad this season. Quad McMillan. Those are my top two backers. I kept Vince Beagle. I think his ability to set the edge in the running game. But also a bit of a pass rush arsenal that he has featured so far. Could keep him on this roster for the long term. And Andrew Van Ginkle. He's injured right now. But I do want to keep him around. I think they have a chance to make something out of him. In the future, in the defensive backfield, Xavier Howard—he's not going anywhere. I have Jamal Wiltz as well. I've got Bobby McCain in there, Chris Lamans, Stephen Parker, and Johnson Batamosi. Now those final four guys: Wiltz, Lamans, Parker, and Batamosi really all four of those guys could be overturned. I do expect Bademosi to be a special teams ace here for a long time, but if they can find guys to replace them, I do expect they'll do that. We'll see about Walt Aikens as well. I'm not quite sure if this regime wants to keep him around. This is the last year of his two-year contract, but I do think they have options as far as special teams guys, and that goes across the board at linebacker, defensive back, and we're going to put more guys back into this roster when we do the rebuild here in the second segment, but I want to get you an idea of how many guys they'll actually look at at long-term core staples of the roster there's not that many to be perfectly frank with you guys it's kind of slim pickings right now most of these guys will provide depth for this team at best there's probably five or six good quality core guys that will be long-term starters for this team going forward and just to round out the group of guys on the injured reserve or the reserves I did not keep Cordrea Tankersley around I just don't know if he's going to fit with what they want to do on this defense since he struggled so much to get between man and zone coverage and the mental aspect of things last year. I have Julian Davenport on the outs. I think that one's pretty easy. And I got rid of Danny Isadora as well. So plenty of guys they brought in. They'll go ahead and just say goodbye to a lot of the guys from the former staff and regime. They'll be gone. And in the next segment of the podcast here, we're going to come back and fix this thing, fix the entire broken mess we've been left with, and hopefully make for a product that you want to go see on Sundays and With Vivid Seats, you can make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Sports, concerts, whatever it is, enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100 with Vivid Seats. And after all that excitement, you have to come home and perform once more. And most guys have tried ways to last longer, but saying the Pledge of Allegiance in your head or counting backwards from 10 doesn't always work. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. We're all getting older. We need a little bit of help when it comes to that time of the night. Roman Swipes are a clinically proven way to last longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, and fast-acting, but don't require a prescription. Roman can ship swipes to you in a discreet unmarked packaging and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it. Right now, get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. $10 off free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: I'm going to do you one better here than praying. To fix the broken, we're going to actually take care of it here on this edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, a Sunday and Saturday full of football action, none of that featuring your Miami Dolphins. We'll talk more about what happened around the NFL and college football in the next segment, but let's go ahead and fix this football team and jump ahead to the 2020 offseason and look at a overturn of the roster of probably greater than 40%, maybe even more than half of the players on the roster can get overturned. And we used every bit of money in that free agency pool as well as the draft process and giving some guys some extensions that are currently on the roster and in need of a new contract extension. But this whole idea is about hope and putting hope back into the roster of the Miami Dolphins back into your hearts because this team has just struggled for far too long. And it's finally time that this Dolphins team puts a winner out on the football field A team that can compete with the Patriots. A team that can win a playoff game for the first time since Lamar Smith. Yes, I do remember that game very vividly. A team that can make a deep run into the postseason. That's what this is all about. And the idea of this rebuild, the idea of this structure that was put in place by Stephen Ross and Tom Garfinkel and Chris Greer and Marvin Allen and Reggie McKenzie and all these names the Dolphins brought in to help oversee this thing. It's a blank canvas, kind of a general manager and roster evaluator and pro personnel department and college director of scouting department. All these guys came in here with the vision and the idea that they would get to kind of put their own stamp on this football team. And it has to be exciting for them. It's exciting for us. I would love the opportunity to get in there and basically make my own team. It's expansion mode for the most part as they have stripped this thing down and will rebuild it in the vision that they best see fit. And of course, it all starts with the quarterback. We'll get to that here in just one second. But the Dolphins are in a position where they can really do things financially and to budget this roster the right way. I talked about it on Twitter a while back, how you could pair a guy like Xavier Howard, who's eating up a big chunk of your cap space with drafting somebody in the first round like Jeffrey Okuda, because Howard is on a five-year contract and he's going to come in here with Okuda, who gets a five-year rookie deal and all of a sudden you have balance at your cornerback positions and you're taken care of for a half of a decade. That's very rare to be in a position to do that. If the Dolphins do this right, if they really commit to this and and make the right decisions, It it blows my mind how good this could turn out. Now, it could blow up in our faces, but it could be the best thing that anybody has ever done because no one's done it, and the opportunities to make it work are there. They are. I know it's hard to see, given what this team has done in the draft over the last several years, but the opportunity to make this team an absolute stalwart and January regular, it's there. And the more the Dolphins have success with this model, the more it will feed the model itself because you can allow the free agents to walk. Like, for example, if Xavier Howard does walk in five years and you give the extension to Jeffrey Okuda, you can turn around and turn Xavier Howard's contract with another team into a compensatory pick. It's the lifeblood by which the Patriots have survived and curated this dynasty off of for two decades. It's what the Dolphins want to do here. Again, execution is everything but at least they have the vision and the process to make it happen. And let's go ahead and start. I already talked about the extension for Devon Gottschall. Actually, he's the only one that I gave an extension to. I did not bring Kenyon Drake back. He walked in free agency in my little fake game here. And I started off my free agency off-season haul off With Byron Jones, and we'll see if any of these guys even shake free, but I want Byron Jones to come in here and be what Minka Fitzpatrick was supposed to be and be that versatile chess piece that can bounce around all over the formation, come down, cover the slot, cover out wide, help in the single high free safety looks. Byron Jones is so versatile and so valuable. He would be an elite get for this defense and joining him in that secondary a guy that can give him more flexibility as well a guy that I did not talk about in last week's free agent primer is Tavon Wilson from the Detroit Lions he has been relegated to backup role as a deep safety on that defense and I think he can come here and be your third safety and give the flexibility to Byron Jones because of his work in the single high so Tavon Wilson and Byron Jones remake your defensive backfield at linebacker you guys know I love this guy already and I'm going with linebacker Kyle roll from Green Bay a fit with Patrick Graham has the long arms and length and ability to set the edge in the run game and also stunt and twist and rush the passer off the edge up there in Green Bay I think he's a great fit here Adam Butler the defensive tackle from New England is a fantastic fit Quick feet, good pass rush moves. He can do some stuff to back up Devon Godshaw, but also jump into the rotation as a run defender as well. On the offensive line, I inked George Fant from the Seattle Seahawks. He's a backup there right now. He comes over here and competes for a starting job, but at least he is our sixth offensive lineman that comes into the game in power formations and blows people off the football. At tight end, I got Mo Cox from the Indianapolis Colts to basically fill out Nick O'Leary's role. I want to help supplement Mike Gusecki's game, who I think is off to a rough start this year as far as the stats go but there are improvements in his game you guys have heard me talk about it all week I want to unlock Gusecki's skill set as a flex out receiver souped up type of tight end that plays receiver at receiver I signed Emmanuel Sanders from the Denver Broncos you guys are going to hate that because of his age but I think that he works in the slot perfectly for this offense and can uncover and get open on two way goes all day long and be an easy first down chain mover type in this offense he also can run the vertical seams so he opens up the offense that way as well and at running back Austin Eckler from the Chargers if they bring back Melvin Gordon I think Eckler leaves and he is perfect because of his passing game prowess that would fit right in with Miami so Byron Jones Tavon Wilson Kyler Fackrell Adam Butler George Fant Mo Alley Cox, Emmanuel Sanders, and Austin Eckler. I think of that group, the only one that's going to cost a massive load of money is Byron Jones. I do think Austin Eckler will be expensive for a running back. Emmanuel Sanders receivers are always expensive. You can probably get Adam Butler for about $5 bucks a year. George Fant will be cheap. Mo Alley Cox will be cheap. Tavon Wilson will not be top of the market. So we did make a couple of top of the market buys in Adam Butler, Byron Jones, and Austin Eckler. But the rest of this group, for the most part, is not top of the market money. Money, so we save some money that way. We can continue to work on extensions for the rookies coming in this year. And speaking of those rookies, let's go ahead and get into the mock draft here. I rounded out this football team with a group of very impressive, attractive looking rookies that can come in and help this football team right away. We have seven picks here in the top 100, provided that Juwan James's pick remains at the end of the third round for the compensatory value. It's a bummer that if you miss games, it can cost the other team the compensatory pick. At worst, that pick falls down to the fourth Round. it sounds like that might happen because of the knee injury but I'm going to go ahead and assume that he gets back onto the field into the lineup here soon and we can get that third round draft pick and use it accordingly so here is my 2020 mock draft for the first three rounds and we all know who the first pick is. The Dolphins wind up finishing with the first overall draft pick, and they're going to select quarterback Tuatunga-Vailoa out of Alabama, a great scheme fit for this offense, the mental processing, the ability to get across the entire field through his reads while he evades rush and keeps his eyes down the field, the perfect ball placement and accuracy. He can make this offense really hum and get things going, especially with the new weapons I have given him on offense. We have a weapon on the defense on the other side after a trade back and the acquisition of of a future first-round draft pick. I have Miami doing the handcuff on Xavier Howard and giving him cornerback Jeffrey Okuda from Ohio State. He has three picks the last two weeks. He is just a fantastic football player. Great feet, great hands, great zone and man coverage ability. Loves to come up and play the run. He checks all the boxes. The third first-round draft pick will go to solidifying the offensive line as I draft the center from Oklahoma, Creed Humphrey. This guy has fantastic feet and can mirror in pass protection. He loves to go out and smack people in the mouth, so he has the physical and finesse to his game. This Dolphins offensive line needs a young leader in the middle, and that's who Creed Humphrey is. In the top of the second round, after all the elite receivers go off the board, and this guy might be one of them too, but I think that he slides because there's so many good receivers in this class. I'm giving Tua a teammate. I'm giving him receiver Henry Ruggs from Alabama. That speed, he's probably going to break the combine 40-yard time among all players. He can flat-out fly. That'll be a good addition to the offense. Later in the second round, we're going to come back and go back to the offensive line. The offensive tackle from Texas Christian, Lucas Nyong. He is long. He is lean. He can get out there in space and do some things with athleticism. He's a good option to groom at right tackle behind someone like George Fant. Or if Jesse Davis kicks back over there, Lucas Nyong can be your right tackle of the future. And then we come back in the third round, the first pick of that third round. We're going to go ahead and attack the defensive edge and take Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame. He can give you some pass rush, but even more importantly, he can lock out that edge in the run game. He can condense down inside. He's a big body, long arms, heavy hands. You guys have heard those buzzwords all year long from me. He checks those boxes. And then with a compensatory pick... Because of a loaded running back class, just like the receiver, we're going to go ahead and take advantage of that and scoop up a guy that falls deeper into the draft because of the deep nature of his position. And with the 100th pick in the draft, we're going to select J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State and give ourselves a good pair of running backs with he and Austin Eckler. So that gives you a final lineup of this. Quarterback Tua Tagovailoa and Josh Rosen. I love that pairing. Running back Austin Eckler, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Walton, Patrick Laird, and Chandler Cox as your fullback. At receiver, Preston Williams, Henry Ruggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Ja'Keem Grant, Devontae Parker. Good looking group there. Tight end Mike Gesicki, Mo'Ali Cox, and Durham Smythe. On the offensive line, the tackles are Jesse Davis and Lucas Nyong, and George Fant and Isaiah Prince are the backups. At the guard positions, Michael Dieter and Evan Baim with Brandon Scherf and Shaq Calhoun. And I just realized I left Brandon Scherf off my primary free agent signing, so go ahead and go back and add him in there. But at center, we're going to have the rookie, Creed Humphrey. We know about him to round out the offensive line group. On defense, we're going to come back with Devon Godshaw and Robert Dice, Christian Wilkins, Adam Butler, and Jonathan Ledbetter. Remember, he comes back from the injury. And then on the defensive line, rounding out that group, Taco Charlton and John Jenkins will be your beef on the inside for running downs. At linebacker, Kyler Fackrell, Jerome Baker, and Raquan McMillan. The backups there are Andrew Van Ginkle, Sam Aguavin, Vince Beagle, and Kareem Khalid from Notre Dame, our third-round draft pick. In the secondary, Xavier Howard, Jeffrey Okuda, and Bobby McCain, a good-looking trio of cornerbacks. I have Ken Webster and Chris Lamons and Jamal Wiltz as their backups, but of course, those guys could be replaced by rookies and UDFA. At safety, Byron Jones and Tavon Wilson, with Johnson, Batamosi, Walt Akins, and Stephen Parker rounding out your group. So I have 17 new players here, but again, I think five or six other new ones will come in. That gives me a 23-man roster changeover from last year, a 44% upheaval. If you guys want to see more videos and more breakdowns on all this stuff, check out the article on LockedOnDolphins.com. And in the next segment, we'll come back and talk about college football, get you up to date on the Steelers, Texans, and Saints games this weekend. And Washington, Miami's week six opponent, announces a new starting quarterback, and it's not Dwayne Haskins. All that next. Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins.
0: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.
1: Now, a lot of folks around the league are upset with Jay Gruden for doing this. The Washington head coach, Miami's Week 6 opponent, who also just got steamrolled by the New England Patriots, or at least I assume they did. I recorded this podcast before they played that game, but let's be honest, that's a bad football team. And next week stands to be the tank for two of Bull part one prior to the week 16 game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And Washington, if you're on the train for the Dolphins tanking and losing the games and getting the first draft pick, they made a move that helps secure that first overall draft pick because for all intents and purposes, Dwayne Haskins should be on the field helping develop his career at this point Early on in his rookie season, kind of like the Josh Rosen debate from a couple weeks ago, but I would argue that maybe he shouldn't be on the field because this is a guy and reports are out there right now saying that he doesn't know how to work. He's not properly preparing himself to get out there. And we kind of saw that when he came in relief on Sunday and threw three interceptions in less than five yards per pass attempt in that debut. And it was also being reported that Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder basically forced Dwayne Haskins onto Jay Gruden. Just a disaster situation to be involved with your coach and the staff or the front office rather and the owner all being on different pace and the guy that Gruden has always liked and always wanted to be his quarterback for a full season was Colt McCoy who cannot stay healthy and now he has a healthy Colt McCoy so he announces him the starting quarterback I talked about stability with Colt McCoy at the quarterback position for Washington and I'm not saying this guy's a good player who can go out there and win them a bunch of games and totally takes them off the schneid all I'm saying is that Miami now will not be facing a rookie quarterback who's in totally over his head and will give them mistakes and opportunities to capitalize on those mistakes and win the game because the opponent was just completely inferior. Now, at least they'll have a veteran quarterback in there to help keep them in the game and possibly push them over the goal line or over the finish line, as it were. If you're looking for Dolphins losses, I do believe this makes them a bigger favorite than they already would be. So, if you're looking for wins, not the best news. If you're looking for the top quarterback in this draft, this is good news. Colt McCoy will probably be the starting quarterback going forward in Washington for at least a couple of weeks. And while it wasn't quite as bad as you might have thought it would have been against the Patriots for Washington, they still get destroyed in that game. So Colt McCoy provides just seven points for them in that game. Still more stabilization than what they had with Dwayne Haskins so we'll have a big matchup in Miami next week. Dolphins against Washington, Colt McCoy against Josh Rosen in what right now probably stands to be the of Vailoa Bowl in terms of the loser has the fast track to go get that first overall pick although the Bengals out in Cincinnati by way of their loss to Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals which by the way, real quick, a quick aside on Kyler Murray. Impressive game for him 93 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown on 10 carries to go along with 270 something passing yards they still can't figure it out in the red zone but I think they're going to go ahead and grow and develop in that offense and so it probably would have been better for Miami if Cincinnati had found a way to win that game because now they along with Washington are both 0 and 5 and technically have picks ahead of Miami according to Tankathon the Dolphins now are picking third, sixth, And 25th still in that first round. They fall back to third because of the losses of the two teams that were also 0-4. So just by a half a game there. But the Steelers go down in dramatic fashion to the Baltimore Ravens in overtime. Frankly, in a game that I thought that Baltimore should have put on rocks several times. They couldn't do it. And one takeaway from this game is that maybe the Dolphins' loss to Baltimore isn't quite as excusable as it was earlier after losing by 49 points in that one and seeing Baltimore almost lose three straight games, the third against a third string quarterback because the big news of the day for Miami, and I kind of hate to promote it this way. But I even tweeted about it a while back. If the Steelers lose Mason Rudolph, the backup quarterback to come in for him is an undrafted rookie from the University of Samford named Delvin Hodges, who we all, for the most part, I don't think many people know who he is. I mean, I didn't know who he is, and this is what I do every day. So you think about their long-term prospects going forward with that quarterback. You look at what Adam Gase has had to do in New York with Luke Falk, another quarterback kind of in that same mold, a guy that you don't think should be able to play at this level and while he rallied for a little bit on a couple of drives and got them going granted was very much aided by the running game and some good play calling getting him some max protection and easy crossing routes to guys that just won routes against a pretty bad Ravens defense but you think about him going forward and teams having a chance to prepare for him because I don't think Mason Rudolph's coming back anytime soon probably not within the next few weeks the Steelers do go on the road to the Chargers next week, who they are a struggling team as well. But again, Phillip Rivers versus an undrafted rookie free agent quarterback. Who you taking in that one? And then a bye week. And then, of course, they're home for the Dolphins. Then they play the Colts and the Panthers and so on and so forth. But I look at their schedule ahead. If they don't have Mason Rudolph for those upcoming games for the rest of the way, this is a team that's going to lose 12 or more games because eventually when they have tape on this kid they're going to figure him out. Teams are going to find a way to erase the running game and make them one dimensional through the pass and he's just not going to win that way. He might find some success in stretches but winning games for this guy as a starting quarterback with film on him is not going to happen so the Dolphins now will likely have two picks in the top five. Hopefully their pick winds up number one overall. I'm not anywhere near as worried as everybody else seems to be about the Bengals about Washington. Those teams are playing close games, almost going to overtime Time pushing their opponent into stressful territory thinking they might find a way to win this game late. I know Washington only had one of those such games, but they've been more competitive. Miami hasn't been close yet. So can we at least let the Dolphins come close in a game before we crown them as some team that has a chance to win some football games? That's my only thing. The takeaway from the weekend, Steelers lose, Rudolph down. The Dolphins draft picks looking very good for those first two picks. The Texans pick figures to be in that 25th, 26th range in the mid-20s. And then I think we can pretty much give up on the Saints pick being anything higher than like 57 or 58 at the lowest. They're rolling and they get Drew Brees back here shortly. Let's go ahead and finish this podcast up with my picks for the weekend. The first time I had a winning record since week zero, that Miami versus Florida game and the late night Arizona and Hawaii game, I've been three and three or two and four every week since. This week I went four and two, so the record for the season is up to twenty and eighteen. Finally on the positive side. And as for college football, watching those games this weekend, if you guys want to check out the article up on LockdownDolphins.com, I added Joe Burrow as well as Jacob Easton to the quarterback scouting profile on LOD.com week six edition. No Tua Tungavailoa this week. I thought Justin Herbert, as he does every time he plays against a good stingy defense with good NFL concepts and principles and disguise coverage and good ways to mask their pass rush and get pressure on the quarterback, for me, he just doesn't do it. He melts in big moments. That offense kind of finds a way to protect him and doesn't put him in too many situations where he has to make multi-layered reads and full field reads because when he does, he gets confused. He can duck his head in the face of pressure, take sacks, and while he's very, very athletic and finding ways to make plays with his legs when he does escape the pressure and has that massive arm that can put the football anywhere he wants it to, no matter how he's standing or how he's aligned in his footwork, the shortcomings and the way he deals with pressure, the inaccuracies, and the lack of downfield reads are all major black marks for me. I think nobody in this class is close to Tua Vailoa. Call me bias if you want, but that's just from watching the games with no real objective measure as far as what I want to happen in these games. I'm just reporting it how I see it, and what I see right now is that Jake Fromm probably is QB two, but I think that's more of an indictment of the rest of the class because I do like Jake Fromm for all the reasons you guys have heard me talk about with his processing, the leadership, the accuracy and some of those throws he can make in the intermediate levels of the field. Doesn't have the big arm strength, but he is an absolute commander of the huddle, a general on the football field, and I think that he's going to have a good career, probably an above-average starter, and for that to be QB2, it kind of tells you how I feel about the rest of the class. I still believe Jordan Love has the big upside and could develop into a big-time prospect and player because he does have those elite-level traits, and I think there's more from a processing standpoint there for him, but he just got ran by a great LSU defense and a Utah, Utah State offense that lost its three top receivers last year, its top running back, its play caller, so give him a little bit of slack there, I think he's more of a developmental guy, the idea of him going number one overall was always crazy in my opinion, but I think that he is still a first round quarterback, and my biggest chance, my, my biggest prospect that has a chance to become a top level starter, I think Justin Herbert is no better than like a Ryan Tannehill, I think Jake Fromm on the high end can be a good level game manager in the NFL, and Tua to tunga is just the truth. I think Jacob Eason and Joe Burrow are rising, but Eason to me, the lack of ability to get off the top of his spot on his drop and some curious decisions and bad instincts against pressure. Not a big fan of his. Joe Burrow, I think, looks pretty poised and pretty solid. I am a little bit hesitant on him because I don't think that he moves all that well, and I still believe that the future of the NFL is getting guys that can deal with pressure and move off their spot. But he's pretty accurate. He makes pretty good decisions. He missed a few balls in that game, but I think he might be creeping up towards quarterback three or. Four status so Tua a major gap probably Jake Fromm probably Jordan Love in there maybe Joe Burrow and then Justin Herbert just not that thrilled about the back end of the first part of this quarterback class for me it's all about Tua that's the goal that's been why they've tanked this entire season that has to be the direction they go in Okay, I hope everybody enjoyed this extended version of the Sunday bi-week edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, but as for today's show, that's going to be my time. You all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We're going to have Ian Wharton on tomorrow's show to talk about college football. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Wingful NFL Follow the show at LockdownFins. Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Sunday, Monday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with Ian Wharton for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.